out of it because I can edit it and put things in order if it needs to go. We can fuck up and take fuck it up, fuck it up, fuck it up. I mean? Um, but I guess we can get started. Oh my god, this thing is like, <laughs> baby, I'm sorry. Oh. This feeling is not fun. No, it's not. I feel like my you're losing weight. Uh, I mean, I have to be now because <laughs> I'm not retaining any water. Mm. Um, but I feel like my best friend, when she was pregnant, when she was having morning sickness, and she would just be on the phone with me, just breathing Aww. hard, like, oh. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I get it. I I understand. I have sympathy for her. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so okay. So what did I eat yesterday? Yeah, like I, I had the I had my regular breakfast, which is like an omelet, egg, kale, tomato situation. Mm-hmm. Do it with some Ezekiel bread. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I had some fruits, some peaches. Actually, that the peach, that batch of peaches, I woke up this morning. I just realized that they were done, so I had to throw those out. Oh, yeah. so you might have. This was yesterday, so but it, it might have been. Fruit, though, you know no, I mean? but you know what I heard? I heard that when you when food gets to the point of smelling, there's actually bacteria that was growing on it before Already. it got to the smell part. And so when you get it to the smell part, it's really, really done. Mm. So I, it but didn't smell. It was just like you know how you picked it up. You're like, oh, and it's too, it's too mushy. It's really mushy. It wasn't like really for me. Like fruit has to be ripe, or I'm not eating it. Okay. So it was did it start to wrinkle? Yeah, it started to wrinkle. Got it. it okay. Started to wrinkle. Um, so I had that. I want to blame it on that. But here's the other thing. Last night I got high because I was watching Pose like I normally do on a Sunday night. Pose. And I ate. Oops, I didn't do that. Sorry. I ate a, it's okay. I ate a <laughs> bag of those. Uh, Trader Joe's churros. You like should have stuck your finger down your throat. Yep, I'm just. I'm <laughs> saying I ate a lot of sugar and also had. Um, I don't have a lot of sugar, so I, I think that might be um, like my body's freaking out from just the culmination of all weekend, these things though. of like. So what the fuck were you doing? I know. It's <laughs> like, are you on your period? Tell yeah. me now. Right. Your body's like, let me stop. Let, <laughs> let me, me stop you right, right here. here. <laughs> You're not listening. Is, right. Because yeah. I thought it was just gonna be Friday night, <laughs> and then I wake up Saturday, and we're still fucking it up, and. Then I, and I'm waking up Sunday and we're like, and then I ate like half a pan of biscuits. Okay. Just biscuits? <laughs> Just, I mean, they Did you make them? Yeah. I can spot you a mile away. I can see your insecurities written all on your face. So predictable your words. I know what you're gonna say. Who you're fooling or you assuming you can just come and hang with the homies, but your level of realness ain't the same. Circus acts only attract those that entertain. Small talk, we know that it's all talk. We live in the laugh factory every time they mention your name. Ask where the hoes at to impress me. Ask where the money bags to impress me. Say you got the burning stash to impress me. It's all in your head, homie. Ask where the plug get to impress me. Ask where the jug get to impress me. Ask where it's at only upsets me. You sound like the feds on me. You ain't gotta lie to kick in my neck. You ain't gotta lie. You ain't gotta lie. You ain't gotta lie to kick in my neck. You ain't gotta try so hard. So welcome back to the Dance Union Podcast. Oh, I got to pick a letter. Fuck. Uh, yeah, you're supposed <laughs> to have your alliteration F, already. F. Well, if I didn't have the nausea, oh. I would have had Maybe you should do N. Already. Mm. Um, the no, because that's, that's going to be depressing and it's going to be sad. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, <laughs> the, 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 the nebulous nakedness. Well, that's ne- nice. I was going to be like, nasty. the nauseating, the neglectful, <laughs> the negative, the nuisance, and the nuances. Of being a dancer, because that's what it was. <laughs> Those were all great ends. Okay, so. Do you wanna- yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so welcome back to the Dance Union Podcast, where we talk about the nauseating, the negative, the negligence, the the um, nuances, and the, the naked and the nakedness sometimes of being <laughs> a dancer in this dance community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Jay Bowie, and I'm Melanie Green, and we are sitting here today with Marjorie Tillman. Hey, hey, hey! Can we um, just do a quick round of? pronouns and how you identify in this dance world mm. i can go first because i think i haven't done it on a few episodes um <laughs> i'm i'm okay to be honest i'm i'm trying to really find a balance of where i'm at with the idea of pronouns because where i stand is i don't believe the idea or the social construct of gender is important but that doesn't mean that i get to opt out i still get to benefit from all of the privileges of being somebody who is seen as a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while I am going to say that I have no preferred gender pronoun, mm-hmm. I also would like to understand that. Or I will also like for the space to still sometimes refer to myself as he or still respond to someone who refers to me as he. Thank you for your transparency. Mm-hmm. So I have no preferred gender pronoun and I identify as a dance artist. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so my preferred gender pronouns, she, her, they, and I'm a choreographer. That's what we're going to say today. Yeah. I'm Melanie, she, her, and I'm a maker, writer, doer, human. Mm. Magic maker today. That's what I'm being today. Magic. Mm. So, Melanie, can we... uh, Yes. Can we Shanae on over? Yes, can we? We, we shall. <laughs> with the five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, to, the, um, to the things you should have learned in dance history class, but probably didn't. Okay, great. So because you brought this up a couple podcast or last podcast ago, I'm going to just bring up Paris is Burning, right? Which was a 1990 documentary film, which you should have learned about if you didn't go look it up, that highlights the beautiful opulence uh, uh. and the fierceness of voguing and drag in New York City. And some like to call it the thoughtful exploration of race, class, gender, gender, sexuality, and all this amazingness within the African-American, Latino, gay, transgender community. Um, and it's pretty badass. Yeah. It's one of the few documentaries that, um, one, stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Like, in mm-hmm. 100%. Like it, it, it continues to find itself relevant. Um, and also, it, it ages like fine wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it crosses like demographics. Yes. Like, I watched it on loop with, like, my friends from high school, South Jersey, like, white dudes. Like, we watched it on loop. Like, it's, 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 it transcends all space, time, and demographics. Yeah, and now it's becoming a huge cultural reference point. For Pose, I think. Right. <gasps> yeah. Yo. I've only seen one episode of Pose, and I'm, I'm like, what's wrong? I'm what's wrong with me? Listen, I watched the episode last night. Mm. Our young boy, our young gentleman, who had the str- had the struggle with the audition I was talking about. You remember the first? Yes, you remember always. the first episode, that yep. audition. Yes, it was a struggle bus, right? <laughs> it was a struggle bus, but I think we were supposed to think it was good. Or that something. was the, that, and that Ooh. was and that was my gripe. <laughs> Not that it was a struggle, is that you try to make it seem as if it was like you're they tried pr- to package it wrong. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, don't lie to me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the next episode, um. They said two things that I had a problem with. Is it gonna be a spoiler? Um, no, because it's it's like so it's it, like not important. It's so fast you might even miss it. Mm. They referenced Alvin Ailey. 
Huh. What do they say about him? In general, they referenced Alvin Ailey in a play in in an Alvin Ailey studio. Okay. That is in the in the show called the New School for the Arts. So my question is, like, if Alvin Ailey exists, why don't you just call this the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater? Like, what it is? Yeah. So that was like, so it's lazy, oh, okay. right? That's what yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In my mind, I'm assuming that Alvin Ailey doesn't exist because we're at the Alvin Ailey School, which is called something else. Yeah. So you think you're in a different reality? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, but reality, why not call it what it is? Thank you. Yeah. You're in his actual building. Yeah. So that's where I was like. I, I bet you they thought they were do- giving him a nod by saying, like, putting him in the script. Um. <laughs> And then the last thing is that that teacher, that the black lady who I thought it was. Oh yeah, the one at the new school. She said that he is an extremely talented artist that you could that like you very hard to find in this world. And I was like, I need you guys to stop lying to the viewers. (laughs) That there's only one. Like. (laughs) Oh, because of his talent. Here's the thing, but there's not only just one though. For every one, there's like thousands. No. She also <laughs> is a da- she's when you watch it she's not she's not any of our dance teachers in the sense of like and in the sense it's like it's just a bunch of stereotypes of what a dance teacher is. I oh. cannot wait now 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 I'm gonna get some ice cream and go watch this. Yeah, tonight. I'm gonna catch up. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna catch up. It's, oh, the, and I would say though, yeah, as a television program, program, pretty good. Pretty good. As right. a program, as a program, like I I have my own gripes, but when it comes to black media, like. I root for everything black, even if it has flaws. Keep like, watching. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're not setting it up to fail, though, are you? Do you, you don't no, think that? No, 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 no. Actually, I think in the areas that it does really, the areas in which a television program should do well, it does extremely okay. well. Lighting is mm. good. Directing, casting. Um, textures. Textures. You know, sometimes yeah. the lines yeah. are a little bit forced, but I think, to be perfectly honest, when you, when you have, when our society hasn't primed a group of um communities of people to even have access to like training for the exactly. arts and have roadblocks into it you're going to have some rough edges so like mm-hmm. some of the trans actresses have some like some of the lines feel a little bit forced mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i i accept it in the sense of like i can imagine how difficult it was to be to even take acting classes as a trans pers- person and try to get casted so let alone like honing your craft is an actual roadblock yeah so yeah, i'm not yeah. counting i'm not taking up points if anything i love that they kept it in so like you so now we can have a societal conversation about these issues but mm. casting is good storylines are great i'm invested in all the characters only been three episodes and i'm like crying i um, love crying do you i love it yeah okay good yeah it's yes. good just when you see the dancing you know <gasps> okay now i'm gonna be all grumpy like i'm not gonna cry just because jay <laughs> <so strong. laughs> don't cry don't, don't shed no, no tears Oh, I'm not gonna cry. Cause you're not worth my tears. Y'all better. Woo. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was like, is it just me? I was like, good. What we do next? Next, we have our our section on tokenism. Tokenism in the dance. Oh yeah. How do I? You know, I've thought of like so many ways of like introducing the conversation, really. Mm. And I think the first, I think the main way to introduce this conversation is just to talk about your project, uh, Margarita, with mm. uh, White Spaces, as it's called, right? Yeah. White Spaces. Uh, so can you give us a rundown and, and hold the floor for what White Spaces is? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about this project, which is in like incubation, just starting the gestate <laughs> form. Um, yeah, it's a film writing 
like kind of a questioning on and trying to define what white space is. It came from because I consider myself to do like decolonizing work, um, liberatory work, mm-hmm. work with black and brown folks very particularly. Um, and so the more and more kind of visibility I'm getting yeah. um, inside of institution, inside of the dance world, um, I'm kind of bucking up against these spaces that um, make claim to welcome my work, but there's something else happening where it's like, wait, but it feels like it's not welcome. And my theory is that like we're not addressing kind of the more ethereal, environmental like effects of of racism, <laughs> like where it's like a vibe actually. Like when you walk into a mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. it's something that you sense, um, and we don't really put weight on that, like how a student feels after a class instead of like, oh well, I don't know. It's like you took a class that was from the African diaspora, so. Um, you should feel good, but it's like the space holds a lot of energy that is counter <laughs> what is happening. So yeah, so the project is a series of interviews that I'm filming where I'm posing the question, what is white space, but honing in on your senses. So what does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it look like? How does it, what's the vibe that you you get? Like what are these, and also the intangibles, like how, what are the gestures that mm-hmm. come to mind? Um, yeah, it's really trying to grasp it in ways beyond, I think, we've beyond the ways we've been trying to grasp it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Because the more and more I find myself in these kind of institutional spaces, I'm like, I need y'all to know <laughs> mm-hmm. that a lot of things... Like, I, I bring a lot of things with me into performance. Yeah. So like, where I'm like, okay, I might need to burn this little thing, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, we might need to get loud yeah. for a second. We might need to play the music beyond, yeah. like, a certain point. And I need, I don't need the side glances. I don't need the, like, the weird, like, the energy. It's like an energetic thing. And and architectural and all these things, but yeah. And it sounds like a functioning thing, too. Like, I'm recently reading a lot. Well, I'm writing this article called White Box Recovery which is about white boxes, white spaces, and how they function and how they sort of hold certain ideas of privilege and mm-hmm. and space and right and exclusivity. And you feel it. Like you say, it is a feeling. I yeah. recently performed and I felt like, actually, I don't want to share my black stories in this space right now because I don't feel welcome. I can feel it. I can't ex- exactly explain to you what mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. but it is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Maybe it is like these like micro aggressive, like these side glances yeah. or, or, you know, making, having, having to make certain requests or yeah. being unable to do some of the rituals that you would normally do. Right. Like Sage right. is not going to burn a building down. No. Talk about Sage. Cause listen, <laughs> you know that I like to go into what the, uh, what the rules say. Mm. What are the laws? Because um, what are the laws? <laughs> oh, because so, they like to do the fire marshal situations on this, right? Oh, the fire marshal says the fire marshal says the fire marshal says. I would like to let you know that the reason why I moved to New York is because this is, even though it has its problems, it is the one of the most inclusive places for cultures and cultural practices. Yeah, the fire marshal has a large, I think, multi-page um, caveat to their rules about fire in public spaces for cultural practices, specifically giving 
step-by-step handling practices of candles, white candles. You better read a document. Mm, thank you. And it's and like if you if you want to find just go to like you know what I mean. So the issue I think is it is not. So so now I brought up another issue. Understanding that the fire marshal is not actually banning us from even using these things in performance space and in these office spaces that dancers dance studios are finding themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about the lack of support for the artists by the institution. Uh. I will call it. I I don't want to call it laziness because I think that's where my first like area brain goes. It's like oh you're just being lazy, but no. Like I I remember what it was like to be an admin side of these nonprofit organizations that don't have enough staff to actually get the work done. Yeah. So I understand that like this probably wouldn't be one of the the biggest fights, and it's easier to ask the artist to just find find something else to do. Right, mm-hmm. and it's also pair yeah. and repeat. Like you're it's just repeating right. what you know, yes. well you what you've been told. Uh-huh. You don't know what you don't know. And you didn't yes. investigate. Exactly. So yeah. Now I'm coming in with like okay, I hear you. But I would just also like to put this information. I, I would like to empower the artist to do the research and just find it. Because mm-hmm. for me, it took me a five-minute Google search while I was on the train. That's important. It, it didn't take long. To yeah. And I got the screenshot. So, like, the next time I'm going to space, Dang. I'm going like, right. I really want you to look over my contracts when I get some. Yeah. Just so you know. Oh, yeah. Um, did you hear about the input? In Perpetuity clause. Sorry, mm. in perpetuity clause. Tell me more about that because, mm-hmm. I th- yeah. So in perpetuity is a word that basically means forever, and because it's it's one of those like legalese words that you can skip over it and not know what it means and not do a Google search. Um, the clause a lot of times for contracts for um, artists by mm. institutions basically says that they can use the image and the, the image of you photos as well as videos for whatever reason that they would like to find in the future and um or for whatever reason in the future. Yeah. So I my first thought was to just like say take the clause out, but I know that that is pushback and that could be an issue. So I was like what uh, what am I actually asking for? What I'm what okay. I'm really asking is that if you want to use my image cuz an image for me is still publicity, you know what I mean? I'm I'm a dancer in the like quote unquote downtown dance world. Any publicity is nice publicity. Yeah. I would like for you to check in with me before you use it. That's all. I would like for Absolutely. you to say, I would like to use it for this for, for this um mm, consent. Yes. Yeah. I would like to give you the consent yeah. of saying like oh, because really my art making uh, my art is made in a specific context. So if you take my leg being up to just right. put it on like something to show like oh dancers dance here right. I'm like no this was about my depression you yeah, know what I mean? like, like so yeah. I need the context to work and I need to be able to prove that context so really I'm saying it, I just want to add in with written approval by the artist that's brilliant like, isn't it that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I think it needs to go deeper now we're talking about imperfect forever I'm not gonna live forever so with with written consent from the artist or the artist's estate yes because you know, my you see him making changes. <laughs> yeah, you see this. Yeah, it needs to start in the contract. Yeah, for real, for real. Because it's like we just because there's a language. That's the thing. Like all of this is happening on a level of like language yes. and like access to that. And I'm like, we need to start rewriting we need our own contracts. And ha- and keep having these conversations. Like I was telling yeah. Jay, like when he was telling me about this perpetuity clause, I was like. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have sat down and talked to some, at least one or two people about this contract before I'm like, oh, I want my dollars. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And I wish there was some sort of like parallel to residuals, you know, like in the musician mm. world or like even the TV world. Like how can dancers get residuals for the work that they put in creating a piece? Cause they're like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the first step to that is tracking. Mm-hmm. Once we can track what um 
how the performance of our work moves money into the institution. Real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I think the fight was it wouldn't even be really a fight. It'd just be like, look, I laid out the statistics. So yeah. I need you to match up. Yeah. Like this percentage of this that you get every year, like yeah. comes from the work that mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Like or even you started having more people come take classes because of potential. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is where Beyonce and Jay Z are at when it comes to like their cultural influence. Yeah, like totally. they know who they are. So the fact that so brands are coming to them, mm-hmm. not they are going to brands in mm-hmm. the sense of like sponsorships and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Once I walk through, I can like all Beyonce really has to do is walk through the Apple store and watch Apple stock go up. Yeah. So like literally the the physical placement of her body mm. is is a certain kind of like. Um, residual payment there yeah. and her team has the language to be like you know we can we tracked it uh, when beyonce transits when beyonce go when beyonce shopped at target the amount of money that went up for target and its gross sales that month was ridiculous when she sold when she mm. went to walmart to release um i think it was four or no it was self-titled because yeah. target didn't want to sell it on the shelves because she had released it um surprisingly you know it was like a surprise album yeah but walmart was selling it so she went to Walmart and did some signings and some giveaways. Walmart goes of course. went up. So like when the team when you have a team that can speak the language, yeah. It ain't even a fight. Yeah. And also if anything, it just it just deepens how deep or deepens how strong this person moves culture. Mm. And I think in dance, we move culture in a way that we have relied on being ephemeral mm. and we've relied on being like almost a badge of honor that it's true among us in our community but now we need to start putting language right. that they understand as well because it, it's shooting us in the foot to not um talk about residuals and hence why yeah. dancers still don't have a union right right period yeah. drop mic mm. so i'm curious like how could uh, well, i'm looking at this article jay that you sent uh-huh this idea of like how do you avoid being tokenized how okay i think this is a, a like a love letter to institutions as well as um, people who are going to walk through institutions. Mm -hmm. Is it about how not to be tokenized or is it about how institutions can make sure that they don't tokenize their their programming? It's both. It's like it's it's talking to the institution to say this is what you're doing. This is how you are tokenizing people. Here's how not to do it. Mm -hmm. And then it looks like it's saying to an artist how do you not do it? How do you how do you as an artist yeah how do you not be some of the questions you can ask. I'm going to pull up on my phone real quick because there's mics in the way. But um, I, when I remember reading it, some of it went back to a conversation that Tara initiated for the um, Artists of Color Council for Moving Research mm. 2016, I think it was. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And only th- I think I contributed to the conversation by saying what you said about the vibe. Yeah. We were talking about like what, what needs to change and stuff like that. And I was like, listen, guys. Whether there's a white person at the desk, at the front desk, or a black person at the front desk, whether there's white people in the program or black people at the front desk, program, the, the culture and the vibe in which I step into doesn't change. Yeah. So that needs to change. I don't need to see myself reflected in all spaces. I need to feel welcomed. Period. I absolutely yeah. need to feel welcomed because, like, I think my in, my my main desire to have conversation about tokenism is I'm finding. I'm finding that tokenism is starting to be more of the goal to program black artists, program Asian artists, program whatever, trans to artists. To make, make programs, to make institutions look. Look like the yeah. But then the work from these artists are sometimes, I'm like, you know what? You just, you picked the first person who met the demographic. You didn't really then <laughs> yeah. interrogate the work because then the work, I'm like, oh, this work is not 
it's not up to what I know another trans artist or another, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so, mm-hmm. and I'm, I think I'm speaking only about the craft, not what is being said, like just the craft of it. We talk about, we talk about dance. Yeah. Dance has a certain kind of craft to it. If yeah. it's, if it's performance art, that's different. We're talking about dance. So why, why are we a lot, not why are we allowing, but when white institutions are just trying to get at least one black person in, they'll just pick the first black person or the first black person that matches what they, their idea of blackness is. So then it becomes like, we we are losing what is the what's that bar, craftsmanship or like integrity, artistic uh. integrity for achieving representation. Perhaps, but I feel like on the other hand too, I've seen institutions like bring in really great quality black artists, and the 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 leadership level of the institution is still very white, yeah. and and top down yeah. is extremely white. So then again, like nothing's changed. You're bringing folks in but like they're not making decisions they're not almost it's like I'm, I'm reading this um what was i was telling you uh the revolution will not be funded yeah. i can't remember <laughs> like uh, right <laughs> so it's saying like how a lot of institutions very white institutions are becoming the brokers between oh, yeah. the yeah. money and yeah. the artists yeah. so then they're getting to decide like you're saying that sometimes they pick high caliber sometimes they don't but they are still in the position of of divvying out and ch- making choices yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. problematic I mean, it's. Hmm. I I said to a friend who is not a dance artist that when I started to look, like, do the research and figure out what institutions I've walked through performed in, where their funding comes from, and where the funding comes from for institutions I'm looking specifically to apply for, like, to move within and in communities, all of the money goes back to white hands. Every, like, major parts of budgets goes back to white institutions, white funded um, organizations or like funds or families, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the idea that to be a black artist, to talk about all these revolutionary things are going to be, um, are going to be for us, by us, seems like a bleaker idea than I initially thought. Not not to say that's never going to happen, but it just, I feel, I see there's more challenges yeah. to that. And um, what, what was the initiating part of that conversation? Because he was talking, I think he was talking about, mu- he's a musician. So he's talking mm-hmm. about like there there are more pillars of like black um studio black run studios black run uh production companies and and things like that where it's like oh we have the freedom to talk about the things that we need to talk about now it was it was about pulling punches because I felt as if there were times where I was in conversation with some of my friends who were also on this like black liberation thing about the institution and they pulled a punch or pulled a comment while in the house of the institution because they're like, well, I can't talk about this here because it's about the institution. I'm in the institution. Yeah. And I'm like, see, that that fear, I think, even though we may not know it consciously, goes back to the fact that we understand that that speaking against the beast that is sometimes personi- personified in the building we're in yeah. would mean that that can cut us at the knees for our career. Exactly. And we won't be able to eat. We won't be able to, like, continue our work. Yeah. And that's I don't. I know it's based in very real things. That's that fear, but I'm like, how can I dispel it? How can I? Yeah. Ugh, that dependency, because I I think that, or the fear that like you won't be able to pay your bills. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the fear is, I I find fear to be useful now. I'm trying to. I don't want to dispel fear because mm. you know, I fear getting home after like 11 o'clock sometimes because my block is hot and it'd be spraying. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm in Best Buy. So <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'd like to not have fear means like I, there's a cost to my life. So 
I want to I want to just know I just want to inform the fear basically. Mm-hmm. So informing the, like the fear that speaking out against the institution would the the fear of retribution like know that fear, but don't let it stop you. I think yeah. that's what it is. I'd like don't let it stop you because I. One of the other things I'm noticing, not specifically in dance, but like culturally, we've noticed that sometimes when there is a radical Negro who gets up and says something in the space with um, with the people present, with the white people present, or in the institution with the people who run the institution pregnant uh, present, that some other, like one other or like two other, if we're like really minorities in the space, would like turn away and be like, I don't know that Negro. Mm. And I'm like, listen, that is that is a window of opportunity for us to actually speak and be like, also look at this person. Yeah. Because it's easier for them to be like, oh, that person's crazy. And they look at you and be like, Would you, do you think like that? And we're like, I don't know who this person is. Like, not specifically in those words, mm. but like in energy. Yeah. You're not, so you're not unifying. And that makes it that much more difficult for some people who might have radical ideas of our liberation to really like get in the spaces and speak up. Yeah. Because we're not necessarily looking for support from those white people. We're looking for the support from the others of us who look like us in the space. Yeah. But if you're not if you're not with us, then that that feeling of like left outness, loneliness, of like standing on the soapbox by yourself, that that gets intensified. You know, I mm. wish I could like uh, I can't point to the exact um, the action that happened, but I know recently an artist was having an issue with an institution and didn't feel comfortable speaking up about it, uh-huh. and so someone in their community did it for them and did it on their behalf and had like a really amazing letter and basically was like your shit institution and it was mm. interesting to see how like like my sister can't say it but I can like I, I'm not gonna get fi- you know what I mean yes. it That's is beautiful. and so I think it, there are moments like that where I feel like if we feel like we can't mm-hmm. say something that like mm. who can we reach out to yeah yeah to help us you know with our words no that's real and that's even like understanding now because I feel like I'm getting more and more privilege and access into predominantly white institutions and I can be that person that takes on like the that role of like okay she can't say it or he can't say it or they yeah. can't say it but it's like I can and they'll still have me here yeah. <laughs> right. right 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 <laughs> like, so like knowing our, our po- knowing our plate like our privilege in those moments of mm-hmm. when we do have when we can amplify a voice to do that like yeah. I felt that way too where um, at the institution I was at I was like okay so some of these artists can't say something but I'm going to yeah. and yeah. I'm going to bring this to the forefront yes and I yeah. think I was, that was my first thought is like if there is somebody who's working like literally for the institution gets a steady paycheck that's a strong person to be able to say because not only do you have access but you ha- you have a sense of power as well to make a change yeah I think the other thing though is like <clears throat> if there is a, a slight against a certain demographic of people let's let's talk about trans folk like if, if we mm. notice that there's less inclusion or there's some some shit that happened against trans folk a trans artist in the space those who are who do not identify as trans or do not identify in that um, or identify as cis and have that cis privilege mm-hmm. we are the ones that can go in and be like absolutely you're not being, you're not being inclusive yeah. of these things and and yeah. we also need people to let us know like you know like you have this play you have this privilege and you can speak i can't yeah. like because i'll say this like sometimes i don't sometimes you don't know the yeah. power that you do have because yeah. you're used to feeling powerless oh, in certain that's situations. Oh, everything. It's right? like not understanding so your like, power. So like, let me know sometimes like, if, oh, oh, I can? Oh, you see me in that yeah. position? Thanks for letting yeah. me know. Yeah. 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 I think the only caveat to what I also said was that like, if you're working in allyship or accomplice or uh, as an accomplice, it's not to speak over anybody and not to assume that this person doesn't have the power to speak. For sure. Yeah, 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 but yeah. it's also to like, say that you just be ready. Like, Stay yeah, in your plea, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> don't get ready, stay ready. Or or like I've had like I've had white males come to me and say like let me know what resources I can offer you because I know that I can navigate through spaces yeah. better or I you know not no shade mm-hmm. but this is what I ca- I know what I have so just let me know how I can assist you like how can I help you without speaking for you like yeah. what can I do Did you know what to say in that moment? Oh hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like I've got a list. Uh-huh. Mm. Actually one mm. of the things I do when I go to talk back not talk back to go to those like um panel discussions about institutions like Gibney had one about they had one about tokenism I didn't go to that one but they had one about um cultural practices it was the one that um mariah that that program mariah recently yeah. had i think it was in the April. gathering the the curation yeah no. the cur- it, was, it was like it was, it was a panel that was a part of there was a, it was two panels were part of it one was ava yaz on long table which was a tokenism one but there was one that like maria Obama was sitting on and um <laughs> ali and um ash rt Jurgens was on uh-huh. but um i had that's when we started talking about like the fire marshal stuff, in, or I started talking about the fire marshal things and stuff like that in the institution. But what I th- what I'm trying to get to that was too many details. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to get to is that I understand that as somebody who is perceived as a man or has like really strong masculine energy, that when I choose to speak, our cultural practices tells everyone else to like be quiet a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't even like I notice it because I even try to speak lower and lower and lower to see like if this is if someone's <laughs> going to interrupt me or stop my train of thought like they do most women. You know, so like mm. once I say something, it's one of those things like I'm not saying anything that black women haven't already been saying. Yeah. Or even all I'm doing is kind of like going back, like like Ali said or like Maria said earlier, like going back mm. to what was already said. But for but we know that the way patriarchy is set up is that the w- the fact that it's coming out of this body, get the credit. It has a certain kind of weight. To it, it does. Yeah. And then it furthers conversations after like the situation, like the amount of people who came up to me were like. Yo, when you said this or that, 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 thank you for saying this. And part of me is like, like all I'm doing is actually like moving and the way. Did you say that to them though? Mm. Did you say like actually what I did was just I I just repeated what so and so said, yeah. what this woman yeah. just said. I mean, did you hear when she said it? Some of the times it it, it when it's relevant, yes, because you know sometimes like the it's literally in perpetuity clause, too. like that's that is almost like a me thing. I kind of own that one a little bit. But um, no, when it is, but I, but it has to be done in the moment. I think that's what's more important when it comes to like, um, what do you call it when you amplify someone else's voice? Yeah. Like before you say the thing, you got to say like someone else said. Yeah. Then so in the moment you already know that like I didn't say this. I'm just repeating what so and so said. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And right. It's, it's interesting how we uh, culturally have have sort of picked up on some of these things. Like you're saying, when you speak, people listen. It's like when I walk on the sidewalk, I purposely like make my shoulders wider. I mm. take wide steps. Yeah. And I do not move from the, the, the one lane that I've asked yes. for yes. on the mm-hmm. sidewalk. <laughs> I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I definitely do not move for men. And it becomes like sometimes like a little, what is it, a little chicken race? Because it's like yeah. if you, because women are, are, are so they sometimes make themselves smaller or they lean away yeah. or they're, we, you know, we get agile. And especially as a dancer, we know. Yeah. I, like, I, can, I, I know all the negative space, but I'm not moving. Yeah. Mm, but that's it's something a, I want to start practicing. It's fun. Yeah, I move a lot. <laughs> like where I'm like, right. That's my impulse, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, all I'm asking for is this one lane. That's yeah. it. Especially when I people double, tripled up. Oh no, y'all gonna have to split no, right, something. <laughs> oh no, I feel like that should need to be a cultural practice. In Don't New York. do that. Or if not, split one one slow down so you can get b- walk behind. That I do like when I walk with my friends. Like, sure, Brooklyn's got some some quiet streets. We walk, we <laughs> yeah. walk down, you know what I mean. But 
let somebody jump out their brownstone, like I would like circumnavigate to the back for a couple of steps. But you already, right. and I think I think strategically, as a mover, you're yeah, you're mover. seeing yeah. you you already know you like see when someone pieces exactly yeah. when someone's coming towards you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, um, I, I, yeah. not to say that we're getting away from the topic, but yeah. I, I want to hit the article real quick. Okay. Um, tokenism, uh, what is tokenism? So I feel like, I'm just going to read this for anybody who is not, no, you have Google, so Google tokenism. <laughs> um, why do I need diversity in my program? I think that is like for institutions. Um, and some of the points that they hit is that it better reflects the, the lives of underrepresented or minority audi- audiences. It can widen your potential audience demographic. It reduces isolation from some of the hardest to reach members of society. It creates good art. Check out Art Council England's Creative Case for Diversity. There's a link in there for further um, in-depth understanding of what it means to like program um, inclusively. Um, and it can lead to personal, societal, and artistic professional development that transform people's lives. So basically what they're saying is like, why do you need diversity in your programming? Because it's good. Like, uh, overall, there's no yeah. lose to having diversity in your program. Yeah, It's and like I putting good seasonings like in your food rather than just salt and pepper. Yeah. yeah. And hetero, like, all, like, norm- normativity is a dying yeah. breed. Like, it's like your institution is literally not relevant. Like, it's dying. It's so you genuinely need, yeah. <laughs> like, to live to further the art form yeah i just came for bill q's workshop and this is really interesting that like specifically for bill and how i understand bill he said he he asked himself am i interested in making like the dance for dance sake like am i just interested in like making just the movement on stage pure he called it pure dance you know what i mean where it's not it's not overtly about any specific topics it doesn't have text it's probably with some some music but really it is him flexing his choreographic ability to, to organize bodies in space. Yeah. Is he interested in that? He says no. He says no. No, because not even just like he's not personally interested in it. He's like, that's not even where we are at as, as an art form anymore. Like for dance to just be on the stage, like audiences are coming in with the language now and are ready and primed to be challenged. And if you give just the movement for movement's sake, like it, in a way, I can, we can easily see audiences being like, why aren't you, ch-? like this is boring. Mm. Right, I but still think there's a, a space for it, but like Bill's saying, it ain't his. Like he ain't interested in I it. I think, I think, but also I think the space for it still needs to be in conversation with our movement, though, like with our cultural movement. So, yeah. if I were to make a dance for dance sake or just pure dance, and it's about joy and happiness or something like that, like in a way, I'm gonna have to find the language to understand that this is still a revolutionary act to be. I was about to say that alone stage. is right. So it depends on who's doing it really and it depends on intent behind it though i think yeah. that's a huge thing is like his, he can't he he's not in the space i don't think we should all i don't think we should be training choreographers and dancers in institutions to step out and be prepared to only feel the need to flex their ability yeah the craft yeah like if that is it then like oh sorry you're gonna have a hard time getting your work shown like you might get some like commercial gigs and stuff like that but we've even seen in the commercial realm Everybody's music video is about something. <laughs> real, real, <laughs> like, real. So you got you to gotta stay on it. Um, and the, the tokenism article definitely said, like, um, programming one or two marginalized people is not diversity. Nope. Nope. It is not. You just, like, you got 10 slots. You pick one black person and one, one black, oh, one black man yeah. and one black woman. You're like, diversity. Like, and then <laughs> and I, this article says this, too, which I think is interesting because I hear this all the time of, like, you know, who isn't here, why aren't they here, and Ooh. how can I get them to come? Ooh. Those questions. Yeah. Those Ooh. questions. I'm trying to get the audience, but where are they? Yeah. And then, like, okay, so that question requires action. And I think that's another thing that um, 
institutions who now, again, have the language. We are in a cultural movement of knowing these, these oppressive forces have the language, and they probably even send some of the staff to go to these anti-racism trainings, yeah. which for them in most corporate worlds, that is a that is a big move. Like Starbucks did their yes. anti-racism thing. It's a big move. But, like, I can... The problem is that we can tell that you're going into these trainings hoping that this 30-minute, maybe four-hour training could be the thing that fix your entire institution. But that's not how that works. Like, it's such right. a deeper, physically active and uncomfortable thing for you to be able to change the culture of the your legacy of an institution. Like, moving research in the Artists of Color Council, like, when I heard about that, I went through it, and Barbara, the artistic director of the of Moving Research, blatantly says, like, Moving Research has a history of being, like, basically racist. So to mm. be able to, like, mm. undo those decades of it, like... It's it, going to take a lot of work. And it's good that mm-hmm. she's realistic. Because, yeah. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. same thing that happened at, at Bax Brooklyn Arts Exchange, is that everyone had everyone has gone through the undoing racism training, like mm. staff, board members, too, yeah. faculty. Yeah. It's really interesting how, like, when the whole institution gets behind it, yeah. and then they have a common language to talk about something, yeah. mm. how things can start to shift. Yeah. Mm. But there is still a lot of work that has to be done. Yeah. And a lot of, like, so every time someone comes through, it's like, oh, have you done the training? You might you know mm. but it, it but under, like you say understand and, and it comes in like the smallest things going back to your, your white space idea it's in the smallest oh, things from yeah. like the language of how a ticket is talked about yeah. or who yes. can rent space and what can happen in that space and who's you know not allowed in that space like you, if you can't have tap shoes or you can't have live music mm. who are you excluding right yeah so it, that's a real like mm. I think the other thing is like um, when it comes to shows having shows um, not allowing for people to have late seating is like it almost seems like an attack sometimes oh my goodness mm, that's that's interesting we the mm, reason why I say that is please. because I don't I don't think people showing up to shows late isn't even a specifically black or cult or, or marginalized community thing it's like it can happen to anybody in New York but the way in which that is communicated is like oh the doors closed at 730 so if you're not in there you missed the show it's mm-hmm. like you can you you control how this evening goes. <laughs> you can say we're gonna keep all the seats closest to the entrance as reserved for late seating. Right. So we can create a culture of people if you arrive early, don't sit in the ones closest to the door so people can come in and sit down real quick. You can make sure that you can open the door during pause. It's like, okay, you know, you did come late, the show's already started, so when we have a pause in the program, we can get you in. Like, those right. things make the culture a little bit more permeable for people to come in. But what happens when the artist is asked for no late seating? Well, I think the I think that's, okay, so I, I will have to ask mm-hmm. the artist what in your work requires um, the audience to to be there on time. I'll tell you why. Because, okay. like, for instance, <laughs> like, okay, so if I have a birthing, which I do, uh-huh. right, if you come in and you're at the offering, you missed the birth. So you missed the arrival of the offering. But it's interesting because, like, that that idea or that feeling that you're missing something, like, you didn't get the, the linear progression of it, is also, it feels very white right now. Because mm. I'm thinking about how in church you just show up whenever you get there and you, yeah. and you yeah. still get you catch on You catch what you get. You catch what you get. Right, and that's okay. Yeah. But, like, with a movie, you can do that. And you can catch up a little bit, but then you still miss some shit. I don't know. It's mm. I see what you're saying. I'm if there's like a narrative, if there's like, if there's because a movie is different from a church mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. thing. So I'm like, mm, I I see that. I do want to challenge it a little bit though. I want to challenge, I do wanna challenge it a little bit. Too. I think what I, I also I want to challenge is this idea that somebody bought a ticket and because they couldn't show up on time, you're going to give their ticket away. 
that's I'm like, okay, listen. I bought a ticket though. <laughs> I spent money. I gave you I spent the money. money on this. Like whether I show up five minutes towards the end of the show or I show up on time, like I'm assuming that that seat is yeah. Because I've noticed that some some black folks will come to certain shows, and they're like, "Oh, we gave your seat away," and that battle right there is like that's a real one. Because I could be on either side of that, and either and both sides have some validity to the argument. You know what I mean? Like we want we True. want the artists to feel as if there's people coming to the shows. People are on the wait list to see the show, and if you don't come on time, we would like to fill the seats versus like just keeping seats open for whenever you show. We don't know, like that's that's logistic there. Yeah. But I think in uh, in speaking about the logistics, like the cultural practice, we have to speak about okay, like what can we do about the programming of shows? I think having a hard start time is not necessary. Like say the show starts at seven thirty, but everybody who is running this thing knows it is starting at seven forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know a secret. I mean? yeah. That's a secret. Yeah, like, and nobody really needs to know. But just like program that in for all the tech, all the performance. Like let them to know. avoid all the frustration. And then oh ask gosh. people about order. If you have like those, what do you call those programs where it's showcase showcases? I hate the word. Um, <laughs> when you have showcases, ask people about the order and not just ask like who would like to go first. Ask like. I, for me, if I'm trying to get my specific black family to show up, I need to go last. <laughs> <laughs> I need to give them every second. Well, see, so you know what I used to do with my family? I used to tell them that things were an hour before they actually started Dang. so they would be on time. Yeah. Dang. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. There's, like, all these different tricks, these hacks. You got these tricks and these hacks, yeah. But, I th- okay, so what what – what do we need to tell um, the institutions? Like, what, we're talking about vibes, we're talking about feelings, and those things are not always tangible. So what can we ask them to do? I think anytime you make a choice or there's a rule, let's question why that is a rule. Yeah. And, the, and it might These be valid. Rules. You know what I mean? Like, some of them are like, oh, because that's what it is. But if you're telling me, like, oh, we low income, we say low income because the way it's always been, mm-hmm. let's, let's actually challenge that a little bit. Like, what if we called it something else? Just yeah. call it a $10 ticket. You know, like, so yeah. I would say one thing is to always ask questions about the rules. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the this is the ability to just make up rules is something that huh. you can sense when you walk into a space where you're like, why are there so many rules? And it's just like there's. Yeah. My question would be, like, what's the next step after taking the training? Like. Mm. So what's the actual, like, practice? I think, of course, like, hiring. I think there need to be consultants of all different, like, all. Ah, this is tough. Because I'm also on the type of thing where I'm like, people need to step down. <laughs> like, I'm like. Uh, yeah, that's real. It's like actually giving up your position to those who are in the community, to those who you're trying to give access to. Just that role of being able to give access or not. Mm-hmm. Is is a thing that I'm like, maybe maybe we just need to step step down or have a co-creator mm-hmm. that is like, I don't. Yeah, I feel like these conversations kind of happen in vacuums. Like it's like you take the training and yeah. then it's just a bunch of white folk talking about yeah. <laughs> the training or like yeah. the race. No. Yeah. I knew I know a space that had a racial equity advisor, which was amazing, mm. and she would come to staff jobs meetings. for people consultants mm-hmm. yeah exactly advisors. and you know their job was actually to be on the outside looking in and some of the practices looking at the staff meetings yeah. and being like okay so based off even like the language that was used how this was set up yeah 
this is why that was all racist. Yeah. So I think definitely having, like you say, consultants, Mad advisors. Fund, Mad Fund's done a good job of that. I think they, they incorporated some role where it's like basically someone outside of the panel, outside of the institution has to exactly do that. Like look at their practices, look at their languaging, yeah. what happens applications. Like, like, yeah. But we don't have the money for that. Mm. That's I another mean, question. My, okay, not no money for, for it. it. Like, my, my, my biggest thing right now is because it's like if you don't have the money for it, then you're just not ready to do it. And that's okay. Because mm. there's mad money. There's Besides, money. money's made up. And like, I think a lot of institutions, <laughs> like, <I think laughs> right. institutions and companies and, and new choreographers, or I'm thinking like of auditions and stuff like that or residencies, applications where you have to pay. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, the pay goes to like the panelists to like be able to review the thing or the label that it goes into it. And I'm like, oh, I definitely understand. I just feel like you're not ready to do the residency then. Because if you if you were, then the money to pay the panelists and to pay the label to be able to keep this thing up would not be, um, that, that financial burden would be put on the artists who are looking to get the Work residency in the first speak, place. yes. So if you're talking about you want to be in the game of equity and in the game of inclusion and diversity, and you're saying it costs too much to have a equity advisor, <laughs> then you're not you're not ready to do the thing. That's okay. Just be like, look, guys, we are not in the position to be equitable or diverse. Say it. Stand <laughs> up in it. But also but budgeting one oh one. I'm like, you can like manipulate first of all, asking for funding and like in a way that actually can uphold that because you get funding for having equity and like diversity and that type of shit. So it's like But you know, and else but I think our to our institution is oh, yeah. Our institution's built um, and thrives on this idea of scarcity, yeah. and I, sure. I think there's a f- and and perhaps there's a real, real scarcity. But I also feel like some of it is contrived. Like, yeah, y'all got money. Like you said, you spend it on what you want to spend it on. I would even say some things just need, like some programs just need to end. Then, like, um, I think of Gibney. Gibney has like some of the actually probably the most programming at this point now because they they got ten thousand more square feet of stuff. So they are mm-hmm. mammoth right now. And it's I mean it's beautiful, but one of the things I'm thinking like if you, I'm not saying them specifically, but if in, if the organization has multiple programming, mm-hmm. and they need to shift funds around, a program needs to end. I'd rather you have less or a less number of programs. And they'll all be done right. Yeah. And you have so many programs and there's just loops and I mean holes and, and oversight. And, and you're not paying your staff. You're not paying your mm. staff. Like pay like get the foundation of things done right before you start to like put don't put the frosting on the cake before the cake is actually cooled done. Yeah. It's, yeah. Gonna, it's gonna melt. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. And that and I think this happens a lot. There are it's like a lot of places are about expanding that they're not even thinking about the infrastructure to support yeah. that. Because mm. here here again, there are a lot of artists who are happy to do admin work. And mm-hmm. so they're well now in that respect we have an abundance. So it's like, you know what? We'll keep paying people minimum wage to help support and maintain all these artist programs because when they get burnt the fuck out, because they will. They will. Um, we've got like 10 other people yeah. who can't use their dance degree because yeah. that's also very saturated. Yeah. And they'll just come in here and do it. Yeah. Yo. Damn. And be exploited. Or you have, or you have an intern, and be exploited. Or you have an intern program that is not an internship at all, but it is a front desk position. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not learning about finance. You're not learning. Okay. All right. And because you classify them as interns, I don't have to pay you. You can only pay them like, I'm only going to give you a $200 a month stipend. Jesus. And you can take three classes and you can teach us this other stuff and things, which like, you don't have time to do because like, you know, this is not a job. So it's not paying you. So I have to have an actual job 
esophagus and some shit. So then you mm. uh, I need a list of institutions. It's getting bleak. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because who's actually about the power shifting? Or like... I've, and you know what? I feel like there's some folks that are doing the work, and I'm and I'm I'm actually interested in being in community with those spaces more. For real, who who have done the training, who have done some of the work, and are making some tough choices. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would have to say though, and this is this is only my personal opinion based on the, based on my definition of radicalism. I don't think any of these institutions are radical enough. Like, and it's. It, I think it goes back to like, yeah, you're doing the work, and I'm not going to discredit the work. I know the names. I know the I, like, we know the names, and we even personally know these people. Got their emails of like the artistic directors of these spaces yeah. mm-hmm. that we frequent, and we have conversations, and so we know that they're doing the work. I th- and I'm not. I'm saying that it's not radical enough because I don't even think societally we're in a space of trying to be radical in our approaches to the liberation of ourselves from these oppressions. Even mm-hmm. when it comes to like the idea of love, I saw my friend post this like status that was like frustrated with people using love as like a way to free ourselves and it's like love is not going to do it i'm like oh but that's sad because you have a very limited view of what love is the way mm-hmm. i view love as a radical thing it's like even when it comes to interpersonal when i have a friend that's like oh you know what i'm not going to do this thing or i'm gonna just overstep your boundaries or not acknowledge your boundaries or i'm not going to do the things that i need you to that i genuinely yeah. asked me to do how I'm going to love them is let them know that that is some fucked up shit, and I'm going to step over here until you fix that. <laughs> Jay. Like, the bridge is still open. What's up? Oh, nothing. I wasn't seeing little dotty thingies. I'm seeing them now. Oh, yeah. You had to turn it up. You actually turned it down, so you could turn it up a little this bit. This right more. here? Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah, it should always stay in the yellow, but you were... It's okay. We got it. No, it was It was getting... Okay. Yeah. It's there. It's good. No, it's, it'll be fine, because actually I had... um. The first couple episodes were mad quiet because I was being oh. real, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, Finicky. Nope, stingy. Stingy. Uh, sound that, like well, that. your <laughs> fingers look like fidgety. Finicky. That is a word. There's another word a friend of mine Finicky. used about how I used oregano in a recipe. Discernment. He was, Ooh, like, he was like, I, I appreciate your discernment with the oregano. And I was like, oh. oregano. Yes. Oh, I love rich language. Whoa, see, look at that. See, that's what I'm talking about. We got to see those things. I see the sound oh. waves, Whoop. darling. Okay. Yo, I heard, okay, you should listen to this podcast if you're a black person called um, Jade and XD. What? Jade what? Jade and XD. Why? I'm giving you a warning. Okay. That if you are not a hood black identified person. <laughs> this could be a very jarring podcast to listen to. Jarring. Because it is like the Seinfeld of black podcast where it's not really about anything. You're literally just listening to like, I'm going to use the word, I'm going to you just listen to two niggas in the space, be niggas. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Jade is from from Brooklyn. Okay. Right. Here we go. All right. She, she, is, she is that cousin that smokes you out every Thanksgiving. <laughs> she is that cousin who had 50 million jobs but always stayed fly. Like, she's always leaving a job, but she always has a job lined up. You know what I mean? She always has a hustle. She bartended. She 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 made uh, food plates. Like she did her thing, and now yeah. she's like, now she found like a certain kind of like stride with all those random skills that she had in her youth, mm. and now she's making something out of it. So you like you you're like oh I see you putting together the hustles, but she still got the hood inside. And XD is this is this wonderful gay man from the Bay Area in California who has some of the most crass ways of looking at life that are crass. like the things that you already know. Okay. Is it time to go? No. No. Every time okay. he comes around, he gives me a good... Um, I will say that the only reason I go inside of 
or my intention of going into like white institutions is to gather with the other black folk yes. or the other yes. brown folk yes. Yes. and like to build yes. there. Some and like mm-hmm. yeah. Some solidarity. Yeah. Solidarity. Cause turning it over or like changing the institution now I'm kinda like, I don't I don't know if I want that on my on my shoulder. Cause it, no, it's it hard what it what is it what is that shoulder. saying? You can't dis you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Yeah. Yes, and I and I think in, in interrogating yeah. what the master's tools are. Cause some of them are so invisible. And because yeah. some of them are stolen. Well, I think <laughs> some of some of the master's tools and, that and. I haven't heard people <laughs> talk about is like some of the master's tools are creating a sense of culture of scarcity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um creating this idea that um that there is a and I, I think I subscribe to it unfortunately now that I'm thinking about it, this idea that there is good art versus bad art. Mm. Yeah. Um this I and I think the other one is like this this uh competition that breeds a sense of uh low self esteem. So I yeah. feel like if we have those things within us and we have those and we're trying to use those things as a way to dismantle the master's house. Yeah. Like trying to make white people feel inferior, trying to make yeah. white people feel these ways. Like that those are the master's tools and that's that will do nothing but split us back in the place of them just in their house. So I, that's where again goes back to this idea of radical love. Like it's the most difficult thing for me to like sit there and like trying to find a way to love someone radically, radically, who is a face of the people who oppress me the most in this world, mm-hmm. but that I think that would be the the actual tool that gets the work done. But but mm-hmm. radical love could be something that's like I'm going to have to continually let you know all the ways in which you still uphold racism as a person who's white in my life. I got that's like that's how I have yeah. to love you. And then not wipe away your tears when you get upset about it. No. Yeah, because so a part of love is the weaning. You got to wean yeah. off, and that's a hard process for the other <laughs> so and and like kind of like jay you were saying like how your mom when you would throw your fit she would just walk away let you cry and then she's like yeah. you know what when you're ready you can come back to me yeah. I'm, I'm but i'm leaving i'm like i'm having a good day like that's my mom would be like i'm having a good day <laughs> 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 sorry you're not <laughs> exactly right but i'm here yeah i'm just gonna be in the other room yes <laughs> oh, so like, like, if you want to do that do that over there, over there. Yes. in your room yes mm. and but then also i think the other thing is like when you do come back, just know I have a list of questions to check in to make sure that you actually arrived where you need to Whoa. I'm not just gonna I'm not gonna like see you wipe your tears away, your eyes are still red, but you're gonna be like, Okay, I'm back now. Okay, what did like, you learn? What kind of back are you? Like how back are you? Exactly. Yeah. Tell me what you learned. Answer this questionnaire. Cause I might have to send you back. I might I'm have like, to read you again. Throw that fish back into the pond. Like it ain't ready. That's mm. radical love. That ha- mm. Yeah, because like I, I, I think I subscribe to what some like black theorists or black liberation theorists would say, like a Bar Baldwinian approach to like whiteness, where it's, where, where yeah, they kind cool. of villainize Baldwin as being too loving of white people. But no, he called no, he called white people all the time. All the time, but again, I think it's with fact, love. But yeah, it's the idea of love that they're like because you want things to be better. Yeah. Oh, you said Baldwinian, and you're like, and I yeah, and I did say radical, and damn. Your radical is really, 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 <laughs> really, really radical. So and it doesn't get to the core of the problem. It doesn't. Because whiteness is, again, it's something that we're all yes. drinking in. Yeah. And it's like, I got to kill parts of myself. Right. Like, it's like, we all got to kill parts of ourselves. Yes. <sighs> there's so much, like, there's so much internalized racism that just yeah. the, the image of whiteness being gone does not dispel the actual. Or diminish, effects. like, the, yeah, the work that is already done. 
Okay, and for our last part of this of the podcast, mm-hmm. oh, wait, can we do a, we got Do you want to show our social media handles if you are comfortable with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's. Yeah. I'm gonna just say you can find me on Instagram at the letter J underscore Bowie, B O U E Y. Same thing for Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at J A Y Bowie because Facebook hates me, and you can also check out my mm. website jbowie.com for what I'm doing because really, um, I'm pretty, um type a when it comes to like my calendar and i post it on my um Ooh, nice. website so it's pretty up to date as as far as i can see it so when i get a 2019 date confirmed it'll also be on the calendar so Ooh, nice. if you want to find me that'd be jbui.com be the best place to find me nice yeah that's helpful okay yeah so um ig and twitter rita underscore hemingway um facebook marguerite hemmings and then yeah the little website too little website action we free with four e's dot com i love your website name thank you because i had to do it with four e's i love it because the two e's was already going to yeah and you're like i'm not gonna do three we're gonna do four (laughs) we free oh god well my twitter is methods dance instagram is laney reen facebook is melanie green and website is methodsofperception.com. And for the Dance in Your Podcast, first of all, if you are listening and you like anything of what you hear, please rate us five stars on anything that has a rating situation. Like us, especially on SoundCloud. They do the likes and things like that. Um, and most important, share this thing with people that you know. Mm-hmm. Let your auntie know. Let your cousins mm-hmm. know. Let your baby sister know. Let the people that you rehearse with in the dance studio know. Mm. Let your classmates know. Just let people know. Share this thing on the social medias. Tag us at the dance union or a hashtag the dance union to get this thing rolling. So um, don't don't just hesitate to be like, oh, I like this and turn it off. Nah, you <laughs> like this? Now share it. Like, yeah. I'm just like I'm trying to immobilize folks. So yes. get on it. Yes. And you can find us at the um, Instagram page. The Dance Union. It's all spelled out. Facebook, The Dance Union. And as well as our website is, oh, no, no, not our website. Our Instagram. Nope, start over. Um, <laughs> our email is thedanceunionpodcast.gmail.com. I can edit all that out. Nice. Isn't that the fabulous thing about editing? Mm-hmm. You can fuck up and just. Fuck it up, fuck it up. Um, so uh, the last closing thing is what we do is My Dance Union has. And you finish the statement My Dance Union has. So like, for mm. example. Out. Or, I want to get my. Okay, do yours, do yours. My dance union has late seating. <gasps> oh! Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to go next or you want to go last? I'll go next. Okay. My dance union has a practice of collective economics. Yes. Mm. My dance union has lawyers on the ready to review our contracts. Get yes. real. Get real. Get ready. Pro bono. Pro. Ready because like when you're when you're in the union, this is this is what the benefits are. Exactly. You're in the union. You're down. I really, listen, guys, like, I'm ready to start this union thing. I planned it out. I have, like, a 20-year goal for the for the idea of a dance unit. It's really tangible. It's not crazy. And it's, like, fairly, like, um, easy. Oh, I completely <laughs> believe it. I and concur. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm like. <laughs> I, when I really said I was like, oh, we can. Okay, well, well, I got a mission in life, so. <laughs> and you're like, like and oh, this is happening. This? Yeah. And we can do it. All right, good. Got it. All right, we're going to be in a lot of conversations in the next 20 years. Yes, we are. <laughs> a lot. Yes, we are. This idea is starting off as a podcast, but that's just to get the ideas into people's brains. Mm. 
Listen. We are planting the seed. And I'm going to water it. Right. Listen to our soothing voices. Listen to our soothing voices. I'm so glad you came in. Yes, Marguerite. thank you so much. Amazing. I love y'all. I love this. That's I love everything about you. Awesome. <laughs> this is so dope. Can you hit. Um, no, no. No, because they're, they're literally closing out. Hit the, no, no. Hit the lock button because it locks first. This? Lock yeah. Bye, y'all. I used to be scared of the dick. Now I throw lips to the shit. Hands with it like a real bitch. Have the hunter. Janet Jack me. Take it in the bun. Tell me what's on your mind when your tongue's